Well, good morning, everyone. And it's good to see you all. Welcome. And uh, we're going to be wrapping up our series on the kingdom of heaven today. And uh, before we get into anything else further, let's just open our service in a time of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can be gathered together to worship you. And Father, we pray that you would just work in our hearts, that you would speak to us in this time together, that we would know your presence and that your spirit would be amongst us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Call to worship this morning is a responsive reading of Psalm 78, verses 1 to 4. You'll read the part in yellow. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. Things we have heard and known. We will not hide them from our descendants. The praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Um, you're missing the line. <laughs> I'll read it. His power and the wonders he has done. Our first hymn this morning is number five, I Sing Praises. Please stand and sing. As we come to our time of announcements today, if you happen to have parked in the lower parking lot, you may have noticed a slight difference and change. We had some busy beavers out there chopping down our tree for us yesterday. And so thank you to everybody who did the work. Um, it, uh, I think everybody survived. I didn't see any bodies out there. Dwayne was good enough to send me some pictures, and so, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, and I noticed that when I, my first concern when I looked at these pictures, actually, if you look closely at this one, you don't see the power lines. Oh, well, I guess you can a little bit. I was concerned at first that the power lines may have been taken out, but all is well. 
So thank you so much to everybody that was involved with that. Yeah, Fred's grandson was Mr. Muscles, I hear. That's awesome. Beautiful. Our birthdays and anniversaries for this week, we have Scott Mudge on the 28th and Willie DeJong on the 29th, and happy birthday to both you guys. Um, if your birthday has not been announced, or if you're newer to us and you would like to be part of our birthday list, please let Serena know our anniversaries, and uh, we'll make sure that you get on there as well. Bible study this week will be postponed as I will be away at the Small Church Connections Pastors Conference and Retreat. I will be gone from Monday right through till Thursday, and uh, this is going to be a great time. A lot of things for pastors are based on a large church, and so the idea behind this group is that they're really focused on small churches and how to help equip us pastors. And so there will be some downtime, which is good, and also some teaching. We'll have a keynote speaker and some other speakers as well, and looking forward to the time there. So it goes from Monday night till Thursday morning. And then uh, Thursday is going to be a busy day. And Thursday night, as a reminder, is our board meeting as well. Choir practice. So if you are interested in being part of our choir, our plan is, according to our uh, illustrious fill-in choir leader, Beth, um, is that uh, we would like to meet on Sundays after church for our choir practice starting next week. So if you'd like to be part of this, please speak to me or uh, send a message to Beth if you happen to have direct contact for her, and that would be great. We would love to have you as part of our choir. We have our Gifts and Passions workshop is coming up on Saturday, November 5th from 10 till 2, and we have sent out a survey that's been online, and I was supposed to have printed surveys this morning, and I totally forgot, so I apologize. If you need a printed copy of the survey, please just let me know. If you want to fill it out online, just go to our Facebook page, and it is there, and you can fill out that survey. We would love to know a little bit about you and your gifts and your passions, and that will help prepare us for this workshop that we're going to have together on Saturday, Saturday November 5th. Um, it's going to be a fun and interactive time as we learn what God may be calling us to do as a church. And that's about the survey. Today after church is bring your own picnic. So hopefully you brought your own picnic. We're going to have a campfire, and we're going to be playing a game together, at least one game. Um, and so hopefully you can stay and join us. And uh, we, God has granted us absolutely gorgeous weather for this. And uh, also um, the Doreens have brought marshmallows and marshmallow sticks too. So good stuff. We're going to have a great time together. And remember, of course, that part of our worship is done through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And you can either give through the plates at the back or through uh, giving online with our e-transfer as well. This is an act of worship that God calls us to. So let us thank God for the opportunity to worship him in this way. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your many blessings that you surround us with. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give to you, to build your kingdom, to be part of the mission and vision that Jesus started nearly 2,000 years ago, that of building the kingdom of God. So, Father, take our gifts, we pray. Use them for your glory and multiply them, that you may get the honor and glory that you deserve. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Our next hymn that we're going to sing together is one of my favorites. It's Be Thou My Vision, number 562. Please stand as we sing together. As we gather for our praying together time, are there any updates on anyone that we've been praying for? Or do you have any praise items that you would like to share today? Or is there anybody else that we need to be praying for that is not on our list? Yes, indeed. Amelia Joy, yes. Wow, she's pretty long, can be tall. <laughs> 19 inches, 6 pounds, and 15 ounces, did you say? Amelia Joy. And that is Erica's daughter, right? That's awesome. So great-granddaughter for Larry Joyce. Congratulations. That's awesome news. Yeah. It's a beautiful day, right? Yeah, we, we plan these things in advance and we never quite know what we're going to get weather-wise and God has granted us a beautiful day for this. Um, Beth is uh, under the weather today, so if you would remember her in your prayers, we'd appreciate that. Uh, Sandra's been under the weather as well and so we need to be keeping her in prayer. She's doing well. Um, you may have noticed that uh, John and Becky Nichols are back on our prayer list. Um, they have had COVID again. 
Um, last time, John was hospitalized, but this time uh, he got the Paxlovid and uh, is doing quite well. Uh, but, uh, but Becky's having a, a little bit of a rough go with it, so let's keep them in our prayers too. And uh, today I'm going to offer a little bit of silent time as well. And in that silent time, it's a time for you to bring to God whatever's on your heart. There are some things that we share and that we carry that we don't really want to voice. So we're going to open with a time of silence, and then we will pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our culture is not one of silence. Sometimes silence is uncomfortable. Sometimes we don't know what to say in the silence. And so we fill it up with other things. But Father, sometimes it's in the silence that you speak to us. Today we bring before you again our joys and our needs. Father, we thank you for this wonderful new addition of a great-granddaughter to Larry and Joy. We thank you for this beautiful day that you've granted to us, this gorgeous weekend. And we are so grateful. Father, we thank you for the beauty that you surround us with at this time of year. At every time of year, you provide something new and beautiful for us. Thank you, Father. Today we bring before you these people on our list. And we remember them. Father, we pray that you would be with those who are battling cancer. We pray for their healing. Father, we pray for those who have been through trauma. We pray for their healing. Father, we pray for those who are beset by all sorts of struggles. Father, we thank you for good days, but we also recognize that sometimes people go through dark times. May they be reminded that you will walk with them through the darkest of valleys. Even there, your right hand will guide them. Your rod and staff are there to comfort them. Father, be with those who face physical pain every day. We pray for their comfort and for their healing, and in the meantime, for them to be able to cope. 
Father, we lift up those who grieve. Whether they have lost a loved one or have had some other loss in life. A loss of the way things used to be. Inability to do things the way they used to or the way they want to. Father, those who have faced job loss. Those who have faced the loss of change in time. Have days gone by, missed opportunities. Father, we thank you for the hope that you bring. That no matter what happens to us in this life, that you are with us. You have promised never to leave us or forsake us. That you indeed are the great physician. And that you will bring ultimate healing to all of us one day who trust in you. When you renew us, give us new bodies. When we see you face to face, may we be the bearers of your hope and your light, we pray. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to sing a chorus, You Are My All in All. It's an expression of our hearts to Jesus Christ. Let us stand and sing together. Scripture reading this morning is Matthew 13, verses 24 to 33 and 44 to 48. 
Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it all worked, until it worked all through the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. Thank you so much, Scott. Well, this is our last week as we look at the kingdom of heaven which is why we cram so much into it. <laughs> As we think about the kingdom of heaven, remember that we're not talking about some esoteric place. We're not talking about some place that's just full of clouds and people with wings like angels and harps that we're playing. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven as it unfolds here on earth. Yes, the kingdom of heaven is a place that we look forward to going to. It's a place that we will one day be part of. But remember that Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it look like for the kingdom of heaven to be here with us today? This is what this series is about. Well, last week, we remember that the disciples came to him, came to Jesus and asked him, why do you speak to the people in parables? And then I shared my own little story of tragedy, didn't I? The, the horrors that I went through, the, the terrible time of having math class in high school, tears that were wept over this horrendous course. And every time I had to take math in high school, I would be like, why? Why? Who needs this garbage? Who needs algebra? I don't need it. It's awful. I would like to say that I have successfully, as an adult, never used algebra since. It's a point of pride in my life. So I told you that there was a second part to the story, though. 
Because grade 9, of course, I took it and failed it. Grade 10, I passed with a 50, because I did advanced back then. There was advanced in general. And I thought I needed advanced for university. So I'm working away at it. Grade 9, failed, took it over. Grade 10, passed with a 50. Grade 11, took it first semester, failed. Second semester, got into the 60s, which to me was like an A double plus. I knew I had to take math for grade 12, but I said, I don't care what course I can't do in university. I, can't, I don't care what doors it closes. I am never taking advanced math again in my life. And so I took general math, and I had this fantastic teacher. See, general math, grade 12 general math is fantastic. It's all of those guys that have no desire to go to university whatsoever, right? They need a math for their college level, whatever they're doing. Um, it's full of burnouts and people that just, you know, really don't care much about life. They're just there because they have to be, including me. <laughs> but we had this guy who took those complicated ways of doing math that we learned at an advanced level, and he simplified them, and he made it understandable. It was beautiful. I almost enjoyed it. Almost, but it was still math. He helped us to understand and you know what? That's kind of like what Jesus did with the parables. When he was talking to the disciples, he said, knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. Jesus was speaking in parables to the people, but he explained everything to his disciples. And we have the Bible that explains about the parables so we can understand what Jesus was talking about. Of course, last week, remember... Then he talked about this parable of the sower and how some of the seeds went in the hard ground and some of them went in the rocky soil and some of them were uh, fraught with weeds. And then there was the good soil where it was produced. And Jesus explained all of that, just like my math teacher explaining everything for us. But Jesus pointed out that it was... They got the knowledge to the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but not to them, not to the others. And we might think, why? Why would they do that? Why would Jesus not explain it to them? Because God has allowed us freedom. And that freedom means that there are people who are going to decide to not speak of anything to do with Jesus, to not hear anything that Jesus would say, and not look at the word of God. As we looked at parables last week, remember that a parable uses familiar imagery. If I was to tell you a parable about something that happened at, in Toronto at, at the Sam's, you might have no idea what I'm talking about, unless you're from Toronto. Does anyone know what Sam's was if you're a child of the 80s? All right, what is Sam's? The Sam the record man, right? Some people would know. Parable uses familiar imagery. Jesus was always talking about what? What was he talking about? Agriculture, right? Animals, things that were familiar. A parable teaches a spiritual truth. Although you could say, look at that parable that we looked at last week and think, well, Jesus was just talking about somebody's growing season and sowing seeds. No, there was something deeper that Jesus is getting at. And a parable prompts a response. When we hear this parable, when we understand that there's a spiritual truth 
that is happening there, there is a response. People either go away happy, they go away angry, they go away thinking about it at least. So we ask these questions when we come to parables. First of all, what do we recognize? What is familiar to us? Two, what do they represent? And three, how should we respond? And Scott read for us several parables today. The first one was another one about sowing. That a farmer had sowed some seeds, some good seed. But then somebody else had sown some other bad seed in there. And then there was something about a mustard seed as well. Something about yeast in dough. Something about buried treasure in a field. And something about an incredibly beautiful, expensive pearl. And then don't forget about the fish, right? There's a story of fish. And Jesus talked with his disciples. And he shared with them about the meaning behind all of these things. And he said, have you understood all these things, Jesus asked, as he talked about these parables? Yes, they replied. And he said, therefore, every teacher of the law, the law, God's word, who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Hmm. Kind of like the math teacher. Helping us understand. How do we help others Understand the word of God. See, that was the point of the disciples. The disciples were there to make more disciples. And as we are disciples, our job is to make more disciples, is to help others to learn and understand and know about the word of God. So as we looked at our passage in Matthew today, the first story, let's stop and reflect on that for a little bit. So there's a farmer and he goes and he sows some good wheat in the ground. Um, If you know this parable in an older translation, they might use a different word. Does anyone remember what the other word is? Tares. Tares. The wheat and the tares. Is that familiar to anybody? That's a pretty old term. Tares are actually this plant, the Darnell plant. And when it is planted, it looks at the beginning kind of like wheat until it starts to grow. And once it starts to grow, it becomes obvious that it's a different plant. And when it becomes obvious that it's a different plant, some people would be tempted to pull it out. Right? Why don't you just get rid of it? What's this parable about? Why doesn't God get rid of deceivers? As Christians, sometimes we might think about that. There are people out there trying to pull people away from God. Why doesn't God just simply go, yank, yank, Throw them in the burn pile. Why doesn't God do that? That's the question that goes through people's minds at the time and maybe in our times. What was Jesus' response about this? Who did this? Why are they there? Why are the tares there in the first place? I mean, in the modern translation of the New International Version, it makes me laugh. Whenever I plant a garden, there are always weeds there. Nobody has to plant them. Right? I don't know if that's your experience. But in this case, it's tares. It's something that is meant to look like wheat at first. 
When somebody asks the farmer what happened, an enemy did this. We need to remember, we have an enemy. It's not popular in culture to talk about the fact that we have an enemy, but it is biblical. The Bible reminds us about our enemy. When we look at Revelation 12, 9, it talks about the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. We often spend a lot of time, and I think we should, thinking about and reflecting on God and what he does for us. I don't like to give the, the devil a lot of airtime, but we need to remember that he is out there and he seeks to destroy. He seeks to hurt people. He's pretty crafty about it, too. If we think about how Satan first went about it, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he was subtle. He was sneaky. He was deceptive. God said, there is one thing, one plant in the garden that you cannot eat from. You can eat anything you want. And just like little kids... Adam and Eve are like, oh, what about that one, though? <laughs> God said, no. What, but, but I want to try that one. No, no, no. Satan comes along. I don't know where God was that day. And he says, you should try it. It's good for food. It'll give you wisdom. It'll make you like God, knowing good and evil. Distraction. Temptation. Peter referred to Satan as one who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, Halloween's coming up and we often like to try and make light of the devil. You know, some kids will go around with little devil horns or whatever and, oh, isn't that fun? Isn't that cute? Nothing cute about Satan. He seeks to destroy. He's about as cute as an angry lion. You want to go and pet it? Good luck. Nice knowing you. So we have an enemy, and he has sown terrors. That's the point of this parable, is that Satan has actually working in our midst, in our world, and he has people that whether they are committed to him or otherwise, they are terrors. Like this plant. Sort of looks like wheat. Maybe it kind of looks like us. Maybe sometimes they are in the greater church, the larger church. They are in the world around us. But the first thing I want to make sure that you please, please don't do is don't just be like an angry Canada goose and go, oh, well, your tears, your tears, your tears. That's not helpful, right? Yelling and making difficult, angry accusations. What are these tears like? Uh, some of them are occultic. Some of them worship Satan. Don't be surprised. People still do this in our culture today. But Satan often works in more subtle terms, right? Satan often masquerades as an angel of light, Paul said to the Corinthians. What he means by that is that sometimes when it sounds kind of good and it looks kind of like Jesus and it sounds kind of like faith, but it actually isn't. Like what Satan did in the garden. He came along as just a snake. Hey, look at this. Isn't it good? 
Don't you want to try it? Look at all the benefits. Temptations in the world. Jesus wants us to love him, but Satan wants to tear us asunder as people, as families, in relationships. Satan's one way of bringing temptation is to tear us asunder through division in our homes, in our churches, in our workplaces, in our communities. The other way he tempts us is by pulling us astray into dark things. And there is a world of young people out there that have been pulled into a lot of dark things. Oops. Or sometimes he'll just pull us aside too. Just enough. I don't think I'm going to go to church today. I don't think I'm going to read my Bible today. I don't think I'm going to pray today. Not right now. Maybe I'll do it later. Satan just pulls us aside with temptation. I'm going to do this instead. Satan's methods are to divide, to deceive, and to distract. Yes, sometimes the terrors do seem like an angry goose with us. Sometimes the terrors that are out in the world, these other people, bring a lot of anger towards us. Oh, why are you doing going to church? Making your life miserable and difficult. You shouldn't read the Bible. Why do you believe in Jesus? Are you crazy? Belittling, attacking, dividing. There are people who have been drawn into satanic forces. There are people who consider themselves witches drawn into covens who pray for the destruction of the church, who actively hate Jesus Christ. But there are a lot more out there who just simply want you to do something else, aren't there? Now just, let's do this instead. Oh, it's Sunday. Come on, we're going to do this instead. Let's go here, let's do that. Oh, you got Bible study? No, let's do this instead. There's a story, I wasn't going to bring it up, but God apparently wants me to, um, of this person. It's a play. It's a simple, simple play. Has One person is a young person, and they're sitting on their bed, and they've got their Bible there, and Jesus comes in. And as this person is sitting there, this young person, um, they get a call from their friends. Oh, come on out, let's do this. And then Jesus just simply motions, come to me, read my word. And they calls, and Jesus calls, and they call, and Jesus calls, and they call, and Jesus calls, and finally they can't handle it anymore. And they take Jesus' arms and they go, stay here. Do we do that to Jesus? Do we stick him back up on the cross so he's not in the middle of our lives? The terrors are out there. Making it difficult for us at times. There are many other things we can do with our lives, aren't there? Many excuses that we can have. Are you being pulled away? That's the story of the tares. 
But let me ask you this question as you reflect today. When you stand before God, who or what, who or what are you going to wish that you had said no to and said yes to Jesus instead? We need God. Every one of us needs God. We need, to, we need communion with our Creator. And we need the congregation. We need the fellowship of the family. In Hebrews, it talks about not forsaking the body of believers because we need one another. And the terrors will try and cause all sorts of problems. See, wheat is filling. But those little buds on the terrors are actually poisonous. And God has designed a place for the terrors. They will burn in the fire at the end. We need each other. I would argue that the number, way, number one way of Christian connection is the church. We can talk about other options. And, and yes, it's possible for a Christian maybe to never go to church. But not a happy and healthy Christian. We need the church. There may be other ways that you can connect with other Christians. But nothing connects us like the church. And as like wheat, nourishment is what we need. And nourishment comes through worship, the word of God, and witness. What motivated you to come? Because somebody else said there's something good in Christ. There's something good in this place. There's something good in God. That witness we need to hear it, and we need to share it. Some people would say, well, the church is not the building. The church is the people. And that's true. But let me challenge you with this question. Outside of this building, how often does everyone get together? I mean everyone. We need the church. But we also need to get together and get out. We need to face the terrors that are in the world. And be the wheat that the world needs. Or when the fire is coming. Let's talk briefly about the mustard seed and the yeast. These are images that Jesus has given, and he doesn't explain these ones, so maybe they're a little more confusing. But I think the question that might have been in the minds of the disciples, and maybe in our minds today, is what can God do with something that is so little? Think about it. You know, the little tiny seed, mustard seed back in those days, was the smallest seed that they knew of. I mean, if you are into agriculture, you'll know there's smaller seeds out there. It's a small, small seed. What can God do with so little? Yeast, it's just a little bit that goes in there. I love going to the Norfolk County Fair and seeing the tall sunflowers. They are ridiculous. Like, honestly, there are sunflowers that are higher than this. It's incredible. And the pumpkins, right? They're huge. Like some of them over 900 pounds. That's even more than I weigh. Um, they're massive. Just from a little seed. I think that the message that I hear in this is first of all this. Grow where he plants you. 
Sometimes we're so often dissatisfied with where we are and, and what we do. And if only if I was somewhere else, God could really use me. Grow where he planted you. God has planted you where you are. And you plant a seed hoping that it will turn into whatever it's supposed to, right? God has planted you. Do what he expects. To be rooted in him and be faithful to what he has called you to do. I think it's this as well, that God makes incredible things from small beginnings. If we stop and think about the early church, there were 12 disciples at the beginning, right? And even more so, Jesus really focused in on Peter, James, and John. They were his small group, and he focused in on caring for them. Paul had Timothy that he mentored how it impacted the world. Billions of Christians since Jesus began the church. So here's my challenging question for you. Who can you help grow? One person. You can do more than that if you want. Start with one. Who can you help grow? Who is the seed that God has placed in the soil of your life? you can help grow who can you mentor it's an important question if we are disciples and we are called to make disciples we do this through mentoring and you might think oh not me man when i hit my thumb with a hammer last week nobody wants anybody mentoring what happened next we are not to be perfect to mentor we are to model Christ. We are to be real with people. So they understand that Christians are real people. What happens if you're the mentee and you look and you see what happens? Oh, they, they hit their hammer. They did something they shouldn't have. What happens next? Do we repent? Do we ask God for forgiveness? That's what humanity is as Christians. We mess up, but we don't leave it there. We turn to God. So who can you mentor? But also, who mentors you? Who speaks into your life? Yeast is what's needed to help make bread rise and grow. And look at how the church grew. But yeast also went into every bit of that 60 pounds. And the church should grow and impact all aspects of our world. Too often it's easy for us to just come and gather together and then go home and be done. We are to be like yeast. We are to impact the world around us. Because the reality is, whether you like it or not, you impact everyone you meet and every place you go. It's true. And people are looking at you anyways as a Christian. You say you're part of the church? Are you modeling Christ to them? Well, we all are. We were either doing it well or poorly. Let's model Christ. Next question. This is about what is the value of the kingdom of heaven? Do we value it like in these parables? There was one guy, and he's out in a field. I don't know if he tripped across somebody's treasure chest sticking up, or he happened to be just digging along for some bizarre reason and finds this treasure. 
Back in ancient times, they didn't have safes and safety deposit boxes like we did now, so they would literally bury treasure in the field. Sometimes it would get forgotten about, you know, when you forget to put the marker in the ground, or sometimes somebody would die, and that treasure would be forgotten about. And so, in those times, it's possible. This guy finds treasure, and what does he do? Despite the price, cost him everything he had. In his joy, he went and sold all he had so he could buy this. Do we think of the kingdom of heaven as an incredibly valuable treasure? Because we should. And Jesus showed a second parable to them about a merchant who went looking for a fine pearl and sold everything he had when he found it. This should be our attitude towards the kingdom of heaven. This should be our desire to see it grow, to be more valuable than anything else in our lives, and to give everything for it. So it's our question here. It's that it may cost you everything. It may cost you everything. Everything's a lot. It's entirely worth it. If we give up things of this life for the beauty of eternal things that never fade, that never go away, for the kingdom of heaven that we will get to enjoy for eternity. Jesus shared another parable. Back in his day, they would often fish with these massive nets. People still fish with them. They take them and they chuck them out into the water. And then it just kind of scoops a whole bunch of fish in there. And when they get back on shore, there's the fish they want, and there's other things that just happen to be floating along in there at the time. And so they sort it out, right? Good fish, bad fish. A couple of good fish, bad fish. Jesus says, this is how it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a reminder that in the end the righteous will be saved and the unrighteous will be destroyed. If people don't like to think about the fact that there's a real enemy, they certainly don't like to think about the fact that there's a real hell too. It doesn't make it any less real if we don't want to think about it or talk about it. This is what Jesus said. There are terrors out there that are calling people, leading people astray. We are called to be wheat and a source of nourishment. We might be small like the seeds of mustard or the little bit of yeast, but we can impact the world for Jesus Christ. We need to think of it as a great treasure or as a pearl. While Jesus is the one that interprets it all for us. Helps us to understand we, in turn, are called to go into the world and help them to know Jesus Christ. To help them understand what it is that the kingdom of heaven is all about, why it is such a beautiful and valuable and precious gift that we have called, we've called to have been part of. 
that Jesus wants us to be part of and wants them part of too. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not left us to just wonder what this is all about. You have not left us to just be clueless and confused. But you have your spirit that helps us to understand your word. We recognize that there is a lot of distraction and temptation in this world that pulls us away from you that pulls others away from you. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be nourishing to others and to our own souls. May we feed on word and worship and witness. May we not be discouraged when we are small. Help us to go forth into this world and impact it for you. They may know the joy of finding the kingdom of heaven. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing song together today is Take Time to Be Holy. Found at number 656 if you want to use the hymnal. Please stand.
we are called to be wheat. We are called to nourish ourselves and others through worship, through the word of God, and through our witness. And so let us enjoy one another. Let us be the church. Let us be present with one another, but let us also go forth into the world to share this good news of the kingdom of heaven, that others may join us in knowing the joy of having that priceless treasure. So go in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.